Heavenly Father, thank you for standing by our side today, even when we are weak, even when we don't have much faith and are having trouble trusting in you. We know that you are by our side forever and always. May you open our hearts to receive a word from you today. In your name we pray, amen. Whatever you do, don't think about anything. That's pretty hard to do, right? Like if I was like, whatever you do, don't think right now. We just can't stop thinking. As soon as I said that, you probably immediately thought about something. We can't simply stop thinking. Like the iconic scene in Ghostbusters uh, where they summon the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Whatever, they have this scene and they're like, don't think of anything. Whatever you think of will destroy us. And they're like, uh, they go about three seconds without thinking before one of them thinks about marshmallows and then he becomes a giant monster to destroy them all. And all of us have this problem. We just can't stop thinking. And all that thinking usually eventually gets us into an anxious spiral and like a plane in a tailspin, what happens? We have nowhere to go but down. And Jesus, though, he tells us not to worry. Anybody ever read that and you're like, I'd love to do that, Jesus. How do I do that? Like I have. I've read it, and it seems no more possible to stop worrying than it does to somehow stop thinking. He tells us to do something that feels impossible. And right now, in our world, we're in the middle of an anxiety epidemic. 40 million adults in the United States have an anxiety disorder. A survey of 1,000 people conducted by Time magazine found that 40% of people today are more anxious than they were last year. And last year, people were more anxious than they were the year before. So we're not trending in a good direction. Mark Sayer is an Australian cultural commentator, remarked that the West has continuously been marching towards a progressive utopia. We have better medicine, better technology, more freedoms. However, from an emotional standpoint, the people in the West have become more anxious, more miserable, and less happy than generations before who had shorter lifespans less technology to help with manual labor, and had less freedoms. And he makes this statement, somehow our progressive utopian vision has made our lives better, but have made us worse. Somehow with all our progress, our anxiety isn't getting any better. Somehow, for some reason, it seems to be getting worse. We need a solution to anxiety and worry. I know if you're like me, you're like, I would love to have less anxiety in my life. That would make my life so much better. And yes, there's a place for medication and therapy, but at the systematic, worldwide, cultural level that anxiety exists in our lives, in our community, and city, and nation, we need more than just a Band-Aid on the problem. We need to get to the root issue underneath. Jesus doesn't want you to be anxious. He doesn't want me to be anxious. But you know who does? The dark spiritual forces at work in our world today. Uh, they want you to be anxious. Anxious people don't have room for love. Jesus doesn't want us to be anxious, but Fox News and CNN and MSNBC does because anxiety sells advertising that makes them money. Jesus doesn't want us to be anxious, but Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok does because anxiety drives scrolling, which increases their core metrics. These forces have built a world system designed to make us anxious. And I think Jesus offers an alternate way to live life. Edwin Friedman, a rabbi and author, coined the phrase non-anxious presence. He argued that in chaotic homes, if one person could be a non-anxious presence, it would transform the entire home. 
And I think if one person in our community, in our neighborhood, can be a non-anxious presence, it can transform our city, our nation, and our world. The church is really designed to train people to become non-anxious, non-anxious presences like Jesus so that we can bring hope to an anxious world. But we live in a world that uh, everything around us is designed to make us anxious. And here's some of the sources of anxiety according to experts in the field of psychology. They say constant connection. We all have cell phones, right? That's, we're constantly connected, and that means we never get a break. Humans weren't designed to be connected all the time. We need to practice the spiritual disciplines of silence and solitude and simplicity and prayer to combat anxiety. We tend to be overstimulated with notifications and messages and calls and news alerts. We tend to be over-entertained with video games and binge-watching and apps. Too much connection. I said another source of anxiety in modern life is doing too much. They said with technology, we can do a lot more than we could before. We can multitask. And they said that's actually bad for us, and it makes us anxious. By doing too much, we actually do a lot of things poorly. And we worry that we're not doing enough. Having too many options is another source of anxiety. The average American, guess how many decisions they estimate that an average American makes in a day? More. More. It's 35,000 decisions the average American makes in a day. And studies have shown that decision fatigue is real and can be dangerous. As you make more decisions, I actually don't have a slide for this. I don't know why I referenced back there. I was like, there could be a slide here, but there's not. Um, there is a curve. As you make more decisions, the quality of your decisions goes down. We tend to make good decisions early in the morning and make worse and worse decisions and with less and less thought as the day goes by. This has led some leaders to eliminate as many unimportant decisions as possible. Ever remember Steve Jobs, what he wore? He always wore the same thing. You're like, how boring, right? He chose to eliminate the choice of having to choose what to wear because he said that's one less decision, so that means I'll make one more good decision later. Other leaders always eat the same breakfast because the more you can simplify your life, the more likely you won't have decision fatigue and make poor decisions. The more likely you won't be anxious about the next decision. Psychology also says that noise is a contributing factor to anxiety. As the world gets bigger and uh, in some ways better, it also gets louder and noisier. We get more packed together. Lack of sleep is a key cause. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is sleep. It's to rest. 150 years ago, no one had electric lights. They woke up with the sun. They went to bed when the sun went down. People had good sleeping habits. Now the World Health Organization says there is an epidemic of human insomnia, of getting far too little sleep. Netflix CEO um, Reed Hastings, he declared that the streamer's biggest competitor was not Hulu or Disney+. Plus. Their biggest competitor was sleep. He says you get a show or a movie you're really dying to watch, and that you end up staying up late at night. So our biggest competitor is actually with sleep, Hastings said. And then he went on to add this, we're winning. So Netflix's goal is to get you to sleep less. But when you sleep less, you're anxious. One of the most common triggers for anxiety is a mind that hasn't got enough rest. Leading one psychologist remarked that the cure for the anxiety of the modern world might be less entertainment and more sleep. Another reason that modern psychology says we're anxious is because of FOMO, the fear of missing out. We're addicted to our phones and our phones are always showing us things that we could be doing or places that we could be or what other people are doing and we're not. 
And researchers found that smartphone use was in fact associated with higher symptoms of anxiety and depression, as well as increased experience of stress. The more you touch your phone in the day, the more likely you are to be anxious. The more participants used their phone, the more likely they were to have anxiety disorders and report being stressed. Finally, one of the factors of anxiety in the modern world is the news media. Global media researchers have seen show us problems beyond our ability to help. You go back 100 years, you would hear about a problem like a fire in your community, and you would say, I can help that. I can provide them with clothes. I can provide them with food. But now we're constantly hearing about problems all across the world that we do not have the capacity or the means or the reach to help. And psychologists has, have found that it paralyzes people because they cannot act to help. They feel anxious because there are problems they cannot fix. So all those things that modern psychology says make us anxious are in our everyday lives. The entire world wants you to be anxious. But the coming king wants his people to be free from anxiety. Jesus comes along and he says, do not worry about your life. But how do we do that? What does that look like? Because it's not just a switch. I wish it was just a switch where it was like, worry, not worry. And I'm like, I don't want to worry. You know, just flip the switch. And reading the verse, do not worry, over and over again, doesn't make it any more true in my life. So what do I need to do? Well, let's look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to his life? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, notice how Jesus begins here in Matthew 6.25. He says, therefore, I tell you. He uses the word therefore. In seminary, I had this professor who would constantly, every time he saw a therefore, he'd say, what is the therefore, therefore? And I'd be like, I'm so sick of hearing this, but now I can't get it out of my head. And it's a good thing to remember. Jesus is saying everything that he's about to say about anxiety rides on everything that he said before this. Everything that he says about anxiety is preceded by everything he has taught in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus wants us to be people of peace, and he wants us to be agents of love. That's the goal of our lives. That doesn't just happen immediately and automatically when we say we believe. That'd be awesome, right? You come up out of the baptism waters, you're like, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. And you're just instantly, like, you just go out, you start loving on people like Jesus did. You just, you have no more of your selfishness anymore. That'd be great. No, you begun a cooperation between you and Jesus to become like him. We become people of peace and agents of love when we begin to model the life that Jesus lived. Because of Jesus' instructions on how to live that comes before this, as a result of that, we 
can be non-anxious people. Um, when I see Christians who are racked by anxiety, or who, Christians who are really, quite honestly, people of hate, I don't blame Jesus. I'm like, man, Jesus really messed up there. Uh, I, I don't think it's because Jesus' teachings aren't true. I suspect that they've never been formed by his teachings. They've never moved his teachings from their heads into the everyday practices of their lives. If we ignore everything that came before this passage about anxiety in the Sermon on the Mount, and we simply read, don't worry, it's going to be impossible. Because Jesus is building off of what he said before. It's the prerequisite to enjoy non-anxiety. When we implement the teachings of Jesus, we will have the spiritual muscles to say no to anxiety and worry. When we incorporate the way of Jesus into our everyday lives, into the way we behave in our workplaces, in our homes, and in our neighborhoods, we become people of peace, and we become agents of love. Those are the kind of people that anxiety just doesn't stick to. And Jesus here, in this passage, makes six arguments about why anxiety has no place in the life of his disciples. First of all, he says life is more than what we lack. He says life is more than food and clothes. Life is more than what you don't have. The good life is more than the one thing you don't have that you think you need. Second, he says birds are okay. He's like, look out there, like 90% of the time birds are good. Like they're not planning and making all these strategies. They don't have 401ks and they're okay because God has built abundance into the world. He says birds are okay. And really he, he kind of makes it up. He's like, birds are dumb. And he's like, you're a lot smarter than birds. You're a lot better than a bird. You're worth a lot more than birds. If stupid birds are doing okay out here and they're not anxious about anything, they're not worried about anything, you could be okay too. Next, he argues, anxiety never helps. It expends energy that produces no change in our circumstances. Many times I will spend more time and energy worrying over something than actually doing something about it. And many times I could have spent that same energy actually changing the circumstances. He also says that God loves to make things beautiful. He talks about the lilies of the field. Faith is trusting that God is good and that God makes things beautiful. God's not a wrecker. He's a fixer. Anxiety is worrying that God isn't good and isn't going to be good to you. And then he argues anxiety is how the pagans live. He's like, this, this is how people who have no faith, who don't believe there is any God, who have to just completely make it on their own. Anxiety is how they live. And finally, he says, focus on the present. We can only make meaningful impact on the present. I spend way too much time thinking about how I messed up something in the past or worrying about how something's going to go in the future. And he says, when you can make your most meaningful impact in life is right now in the present. How are you dwelling in this moment in the presence of God? Are you loving? Are you not anxious? But the problem for most of us is not that we are like, you know what, anxiety sounds really good, and I need some logical reasons not to do it, because I just really want to do it, right? That's not the problem for most of us. And most of his explanations here are true, but they're logical reasons about why we shouldn't be anxious. But mo for most of us, anxiety is an emotional response. So how do we stop being anxious if it's not something that we're logically choosing, but something we're emotionally choosing? Jesus really clues us in in verse 33. Let's go back and read verse 33 here. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. When we have something other than Jesus' coming kingdom as our first priority, we will be anxious about getting what we want. 
But when we make Jesus' kingdom our first priority, when we live as kingdom people, anxiety will have no hold on us. By making the disciplines of Jesus' life and teaching daily habits in our lives, we're equipped to reject anxiety. I'll just tell you right now, like, the weeks when I am faithfully prayerful, faithfully studying scripture, faithfully turning off my phone and spending time in silence and solitude, and I'm practicing self-denial and sacrifice and fasting, I'm just not as anxious. It's just like I'm becoming the type of person that anxiety doesn't take root in. Now, the days and the weeks that I am rushing around super fast and I don't have time for God, I barely think about him, I might whisper a prayer here or there or read a few snippets of scripture, but most of the time I'm moving way too fast. I never sit down. I'm run down. I'm wore out. I'm tired. I am extra anxious those weeks. It's, it's not real complicated, and yet I seem to make it complicated in my life because many times I'm running so fast, and here's what I do. I'm like, God, please help me to stop being anxious. And he's like, but you're, you're choosing to live in an anxious way. Like, you should expect that that would be the result. We become people of peace, non-anxious presence in a world that desperately needs it when we begin to make Jesus' life and teachings daily habits in our lives. Daily habits like daily prayer, silence and solitude, self-denial and sacrifice, scripture reading and worship and practicing simplicity, saying no to most things so I can say yes to the best things, and weekly habits like fasting, spiritual community, lament, Sabbath, and hospitality. Um, up on the screen, we have a QR code here. It's been on every slide, but if you go to the next one there, I've got a big one. Maybe a couple more. That's birds are dumb. There we go. Uh, didn't that look like a dumb bird? So if you use your phone, you can, um, it, it'll take you to our website, our resources tab, where we have our spiritual formation group guide, and it just talks about how to implement these 11 spiritual habits into your daily life. This September, we're going to launch our spiritual formation groups and encourage you to gather two or three people together and each week go through one of the spiritual habits of Jesus. Why? Because we really want you to get these religious things into your life? No, because the result of them is you become people of peace and agents of love, and that's what we all want. Hearing about it is great. We need to hear about it. But until we start practicing it, we don't get to enjoy it. Each of these spiritual disciplines of Jesus directly address the things modern psychologists say cause us anxiety. Remember that list? Things like noise, things like the fear of missing out and the lack of sleep. Sabbath and silence and solitude and prayer are direct attacks on all these things that cause us anxiety. When we begin to practice Jesus' life, we get to enjoy things like being less anxious. Enjoying Jesus' abundant life is optional. Yes, we're saved when we come to faith in him. We accept that he's the Lord and Savior and he, he died on the cross for us and he took our sins. That's great. But whether or not we get to enjoy all the abundance depends on whether or not we obey what he taught. We choose whether or not we want to enjoy it by how we choose to order our lives. Do we seek a kingdom life or do we continue pursuing a disordered life that leaves our emotions in turmoil all while blaming God why we do not have peace. I'll tell you this, sometimes in my life I'm so busy and I'm running so many different directions, I'm feeling so much anxiety, and um, I usually pray something like, God, help me not to be anxious, 
Help me to be focused. Help me to trust you. And a few weeks ago, uh, while I was just in the midst of running so many different directions, worrying about so many different things, uh, I felt the whisper of the Spirit back to me, and he says, why don't you slow down if you want to be less anxious? And I'm like, no, no, I want to keep running at full speed. I just want you to give me peace in the midst of my anxious activity. And he's like, no, that's not how it works. Why don't you slow down? Why don't you Sabbath and rest? Why don't you sit still in silence and solitude and enjoy my presence? And I'm like, I don't have time for that. Just give me peace as I continue this bad behavior. And that's just not how it works. You cannot soak your clothes in gasoline, light a match, and pray, God, please don't let me get burned. But for many of us, we are soaking our lives in anxious activity, anxiety-inducing behaviors, and then we are praying, God, please give me peace. We say we want the abundant life of Jesus with our words, but we deny that. We deny that with how we live our lives. Jesus does offer freedom from anxiety, but only when we actually practice his abundant life. Not just talk about it, not just say we believe it, but we actually practice it. These daily and weekly practices build our spiritual muscles. They make us seek first the kingdom of God. And this September, as we launch spiritual formation groups to encourage you to meet with a friend or two each week to practice these disciplines, we're doing this because... We want to help you live a life that anxiety doesn't stick to. Sky Jathani, a pastor and author, says this, Rather than offering his followers a new system of control through rituals or roles, Jesus wanted to give them new eyes, a new way to see the world. How we see the world defines how we live in it. If we are ever going to act with love and generosity, forgiveness and mercy, if we are ever going to become non-anxious presences, we must first see the world as he sees it. At the core, I think most of us live with the lie that we're in control of our lives. We work hard to propagate that lie to others and to convince ourselves. But control is an illusion. We're not in as much control as we think. Anxiety is the creeping sense in the back of your mind that you don't have as much control as you would like. Or you don't have as much control as you would like to convince others that we do. See, anxiety is really about whether or not we feel safe and the nail-scarred hands of Jesus when we're not in control and he is. Sky Jathani again says, Faith is the opposite of seeking control. Faith is willfully surrendering control. It is letting go and trusting that we will be caught. In other words, if we can trust Jesus, we have nothing to be anxious about. He is either a loving master who makes the world safe, or the alternative is he is a moron who we can't trust his teachings or his person. I either have to anxiously work to protect myself, or I trust that he is a good God who will protect me. In Romans 8, 26 through 28, it says, Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's spirit is right alongside us, helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in us and for us, making prayers out of our wordless sighs and our aching groans and our broken hearts. He knows far better than we know ourselves. He knows our desperate condition, and he keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that in every detail in our lives, 
uh, in our lives of love for God, God is working them into something good. A.W. Tozer said it like this, when I understand that everything that is happening to me is to make me more like Christ, it resolves a great deal of anxiety. If the goal of life is to become like Jesus, and he promises to use every circumstance to make us into an agent of love and a person of peace like himself, I can face good news and bad news with the same confidence that he won't waste my pain or my pleasure. He will use it all to make me into a person fit for his kingdom, a person that shines his bright light into the dark world, a person who can offer the hope of heaven because I have tasted that hope myself both in summertime and in sorrow. The most repeated command in scripture is to not be afraid. And I feel like what better message from God to us, to our community, to our city, to our world? I mean, there's a lot of things to be afraid of if Jesus is not a good and kind and loving father. But what is his word for us? Do not be afraid. Do not let your hearts be rolled by uncertainty and anxiety. The way of Jesus, the way that he lived and loved, the new way of being human he invites us into is a life without lack, a life without anxiety. But enjoying that life is optional. It's not automatic. Will we choose to move his teachings into the daily fabric of his lives, or will we choose to embrace another week of anxiety? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that if there's anyone here or watching online, and they are just racked by fear and anxiety, God, I pray that you will remind them that you are with them, and that you are for them, that you are a good and loving father, and Lord, that we can trust you. That you've built so much abundance into our world. So many times you give us good when we deserve so much less. We are so grateful for you. Forgive me for sometimes, God, uh, indulging in so much anxiety-inducing things. And then wondering why I have so much anxiety sickness as a result. God, help me to build into my life healthy habits of living and loving like you. So that I can enjoy things like... Um, living a life that anxiety doesn't stick to. Help us to become people of peace and agents of love. God, people have had enough with churches. They want to encounter people who are genuine people of peace in a world where there's so much anxiety, they're looking for hope. Help us to model your life so that we can invite other people into your life. I pray all these things like I believe Jesus